Right, okay. So, we are looking at Titus. We started a sermon series, not last week, the week before, uh, called Dare to Be Different. Working our way through Titus. Um, and we're going to be looking this morning at Titus chapter 1, um, verses 5 to 9. And um, the words will appear on the screen uh, in a moment. Um, but we're not going to just read through it. We're going to kind of work our way through it. So if you've got a Bible, do open it to Titus. And we'll just see what um, this has to say to us this morning. I've had a really busy weekend. <clears throat> so I haven't looked at this. It's Friday. So it could all go very pear-shaped. But um, we pray that it won't. So, anyone getting Bibles? Excellent. So, one's Titus 1, verses 5 to 9. Remember, just a reminder, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul, who was originally a persecutor of the church, who became a starter of churches. He started the, um, the early church, along with other apostles, sent by Jesus, and... Uh, and much of the New Testament is written by Paul. Uh, he was a great teacher, and he wrote these letters to teach the churches about how they could live out their faith, and also what their faith means. And this letter is written to a guy called Titus, who was a work colleague, a friend of Paul, a young man who goes to Titus to sort some stuff out with the churches there. Now, I don't know if when you were growing up you had anyone who was a role model for you, an inspiration to you, maybe someone that you wanted to be like. Uh, for me, as a child, it was James Bond, which in hindsight was probably not a great example to follow, a womanising assassin, but um, blame my parents. Um, I don't know if it, who it was for you, <clears throat> we, but we, we need in life role models, don't we? We need in life people that are going to lead us into something new, something different. We need people that are going to inspire us to step out of our comfort zones, our areas of familiarity, and step into something new that they are already working in. I know uh, I mentioned in the notices video that Chris and Dennis and myself went to Hastings yesterday to just to go out on the streets and just see where God would lead us. I've talked about this before. I did this back in September. I spoke about it in a sermon about how strange and weird it was. I'm, I don't, I'm scared of people, particularly people I don't know. So to go out to Hastings, hour and a half drive away, and to go out to people and just talk to them and to pray for them, to stand in the middle of the high street singing worship songs at the top of our voices. This is not me. There's a guy called Jeremy who heads this up who is inspirational. He's a role model and he's able to move in these areas that I am completely uncomfortable with. Um, and as I said to one of them, this is an area where I'm a fish out of water. They look at me and think, oh, he's a minister. He must do this all the time. I don't. I need inspiration. And you need inspiration as well. And in this passage we're going looking at Paul is telling Titus that you need to raise up inspirational role models for these churches, this fledgling group of Christians on this island of Crete, so they can step out of the things they're familiar with, the habits that they've got into, and move into something new. So let's look at this. 
Titus chapter 5. Oh, actually, before I start this, sorry, sorry, there are some caveats. We are talking about eldership this morning and church leadership. Now, some of you may be sitting there thinking, well, I ain't ever going to be an elder and I ain't ever going to be a leader so I can switch off and I can have a little bit of daydream for the next however many minutes. Don't switch off. This is as much about you as it is about anyone who may be an aspiring elder. Okay, so you'll find out more about that uh, in a while. Actually, in 1 Timothy, I'm going to refer to 1 Timothy a while, a, a bit, because in 1 Timothy, another letter written by Paul to a young church leader, uh, in 1 Timothy, Paul talks about what it means to be an elder, and in this passage, he talks about what it means to be an elder. So we'll be jumping around a little bit. That's the first caveat. Second caveat, some of these things may sound to you a little bit legalistic, a little bit like rules, you must do this, 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 this and this. Can I say, first of all, that before Titus came along, the church had heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are loved despite of what we have done and despite of what we haven't done. There is nothing that we can do or not do that will separate us from the love of Christ. That is a foundational thing to this passage. That God loves you and God accepts you. The thing that saves you is not what you have done and not the qualities that you have, but the fact that Jesus Christ has died for you. So keep that in mind as we read through these passages. Second thing, third thing, sorry. I would not say that these are rules. These are strong guidelines but these are not rules. Some of this stuff, these requirements for an elder, I struggle with a little bit, to be perfectly honest. So I'm not going to start looking at our elders who are uh, Neil and uh, Ian and... uh, David, are you in Cafe Church? I don't know. Give us a yell. No, he's not. Okay, well, David's our elder. Um, I'm not going to be going through this going, oh my goodness me, you're missing that one. Sorry, Neil, you're out. These are guidelines. We're not being legalistic here, as I said before. Uh, Fourth thing. Uh, I'm interpreting, it, interpreting this through Baptist eyes. If you come from Anglican or Catholic faith, there are some differences in how you interpret this, and I'll come to that in a moment. Uh, and uh, lastly, um, controversial one, but don't let this bother you, uh, I believe that women can be elders as well. We haven't got women in this church who are elders, but just keep this in mind when I'm going through this. That's a whole other sermon, maybe a whole other sermon series. But just to say, from my point of view, uh, women are included as well. So, Titus 1, verses 5 to 9. Here we go. I'm going to be stopping as we work through and just see what, what comes out of this. Okay? The reason I left you, so Paul's saying, the reason I left you, Titus, in Crete, small island off the coast of Greece in the Mediterranean, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. So Paul wants Titus to put in order, to straighten out, to amend what is defective, to put right. Something is not right with a church in Crete. They've had the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've started to form communities of Christians together. They've got church, but it needs a bit of sorting out. So what is the first thing that Paul says that Titus should do? Well, he goes on to say, so, and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. Now, what do we mean by elders? Okay, we don't necessarily mean old. I know you may look at our elders and think that's what it means. <laughs> ooh, ooh. 
But it's not necessarily, they, they might be old, but that's not what elders mean. Elders basically means those who are not new in the faith, those who have a maturity in their faith. Okay, now that might be, they, they could have been Christian only for a couple of years, but they show this miraculous spiritual maturity that goes beyond maybe their age or, their, or the, the time they've been a Christian. You are looking for people who are mature spiritually. In Timothy, it actually says, don't get a new, someone who's a new, new convert to become an elder. Okay, you need to have a maturity in faith. Okay, also notice it says elders and not elder. Okay, so we're not looking at some superhuman Christian that's going to be in charge of the entire town of Christians. You're looking at a group of people who are working together to discern the will of God and to lead the churches. That, I mean, it's obvious why that's a good idea. Because if you've got some random e- egomaniac who's full of power and wants it all his way, at least you've got another two to go, whoa, 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 hold up. That's why we have elders and not just me. No, I'm not quite like that. But we do, do this together. Okay? So we have plural, elders in every town as I directed you. Now, we then go into some details, some, a checklist of what an elder uh, should be and what an elder shouldn't be. So first of all, verse 6, an elder must be blameless. What does it mean by blameless? Well, someone who is above reproach. Okay? I don't know if any of you have been following the news in America with... Uh, the impeachment of Trump, okay? An elder is someone you cannot impeach, okay? Trump may be a good businessman. He may even be a good president, but I wouldn't recommend you appoint him as an elder because imp- an elder should be impeachable. You should be able to not find anything to really pick holes in. They should be blameless. Note, this is in the now, not necessarily in the past. They may have been a right mess, in their teens and their 20s. But now you look at them and go, you have managed to sort your life out. And we look at you and we just think, you're great and you're blameless. It also says it should be faithful to his wife. Now what does that mean? Does it mean he has to be married? No, I don't think that's what it means. Okay. Does it mean he has to have only one wife? Well, certainly at that time it was quite common to have more than one wife. I think one is quite enough. But... Is that what it means? You know, he's only allowed one wife rather than four wives. Yes, possibly, but I don't think that's quite what it means either. I think what it means to be faithful to his wife, he is a one-woman man or a one-man woman. Okay, he has only got eyes for one woman. And that covers all sorts of things. It talks about, you know, fidelity in marriage. You're not running around, you know, you you know what I mean. Also, it covers things like pornography and stuff like that. You've got your, you've only got eyes for your partner. You are a one-woman man. Next one. It's a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Now, this is a really difficult one. Because you look at this and think, okay, so that means that if you're an elder and your children aren't followers of Jesus Christ, you can't be an elder. I do not think this is what this means. Actually, I checked with our resident New Testament expert, Chris Tilling, who's a lecturer at uh, LST. And he said, no, actually, it's, so we, the word here is faith. Uh, I won't tell you what the Greek word is. Um, but it's, uh, but it's, we translate it as children 
whose children believe. But actually, it's more about a relationship. You're faithful. Children are faithful to the teaching of their parents. In other words, if you want to know what a, per, a person is like, look at their children. Okay, in a society in Crete where it was a mess, where I mentioned this two weeks ago, they looked up to Zeus, a god who was a trickster, a god who was a liar, a god who um, basically tricked loads of women so he could have babies with them. These are the, this is the person, this is the role model for Cretes, Cretans, Cretans. Okay. If you look at this elder's children, are they countercultural? Are they living a life that is faithful to the upbringing that they have had as children? In other words, are, can you say that they're being wild and disobedient or not? If you want to know what an elder is like, look at their children. They should be a contrast with society. It says here, um, being one disobedient casts a negative light on the legitimacy of the parent's faith. Ooh, that's a hard one. That's a difficult one. Like I said, these are guidelines, strong guidelines, but we're not being legalistic here. But I don't think that if your children aren't Christians, you can't be an elder. There comes a point when actually you, you aren't responsible for your children's faith, but you are responsible for how you raise them. Okay. Verse 7. Since an overseer, now this is where um, other people would um, interpret this as a little bit different. So we change from being an elder to an overseer. I'm interpreting this, this is the same person, same role. An elder and an overseer has the same role. They're leading, they were overseeing a church or group of churches within a, a group. In a more Anglican, and if you look back at the King James, it will not say overseer, it will say, did anyone know? Bishop. Okay, so say a bishop manages God's household. I would say this is not another person who's over the top of the elders. I would say it's the same uh, person. But like I said, I'm interpreting this three Baptist eyes. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless. Okay, we know that's important. He's impeachable. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, this is what it looks like. Firstly, he should not be overbearing, you know, arrogant, self-willed, presumptuous, Forceful. If there's someone in your church like that, probably not a good elder. You wouldn't have a fun time if that person was an elder. Not quick-tempered. That's a tricky one. Not given to drunkenness. Now, that does not mean that they didn't go through a time at university when they were getting drunk every night. It doesn't mean they can't drink. But it does mean that they shouldn't be rolling into church going, yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, they should not be given to drunkenness. It should not be a habit that they get into. They should not be violent. And they should not be pursuing dishonest gain. Now, dishonest gain does not necessarily mean financial gain. A lot of people, unfortunately, whether it's in church or the bowling club or the knitting circle, sometimes they want to become in positions of influence so that they can have status and they can have power. I remember um, I was once on a discipline panel for a, um, a, a nursery school in Luton and they had issues where their chair of governors, who was a retired TV repairman, 
had basically overrun the entire nursery. It was his nursery, he was in charge, and you would do things his way. If you joined the governing body, it was just a nightmare. He was forthful, he was willful, um, he would um, lay the law down, and basically got to the point where the, the new head that came in was being massively intimidated by this, this retired gentleman, and they had to say, enough is enough, and we had to call in a disciplinary panel, and we had to say, look, he can't be a governor anymore. It's not just church, but in church, unfortunately, positions of authority attract people that want authority. They want status. They want power. And if that's what they're pursuing, they are not suitable to be an elder. Rather, so okay, what, that's what they shouldn't be. What should they be? Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. So in other words, this is a person who should be loving and caring and also someone that keeps himself in hand, keeps himself in control, who's fair-minded, who's just, who's not going this way and that, who's not being swayed, and someone who welcomes people into the church, but also into their homes, into their lives as well. So there's a whole list. What have we noticed about this list so far? Are there any talents that are listed at the moment? Is there any degrees? Is there any, um, you know, they need to have a certain bank balance? You have certain degrees? Anything like that? No, it's all about their attitudes, their, the way they portray themselves. In Timothy it says, this is not just in the church, by the way. Paul highlights this in Timothy. This is, this is also outside the church. If you're different outside the church than you are in church, you shouldn't be an elder. You should have a good reputation with everyone, not just the people uh, you work with in the church. Okay. But we finally come to in verse 9. Actually, Paul says there is actually some talent, some attribute that, that he thinks elders should have. Okay. Just to say in uh, Baptist church we have elders and we have deacons. Deacons tend to have more practical roles they tend to head up, uh, Angie heads up worship and everything Sunday. Uh, Chris heads up uh, evangelism and outreach. Bernard heads up um, mission, so mission in this country, but also mission abroad. And we've all got different roles, and they require certain talents. Okay, they're practical. For an elder, we're more overseers, oversight, guidance, moving people. And Paul says this, okay, in verse 9. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as has been taught. Okay, what does that mean? Well, what is the trustworthy message? I hear lots of... It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, they didn't have... Where's the Bible? They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have the New Testament. So where is their teaching coming from? The apostles, those sent by Jesus Christ, Paul, Peter, John, James, those people that knew Jesus, that followed him, Paul's slightly different, but we won't get into that, um, and taught the truth about Jesus Christ. That's what we've been, they had been taught. We've got a bit of that in our Bible as well, because we have letters from those people teaching us about Jesus. So hold firmly to the trustworthy message 
as it has been taught. In other words, they're not going on YouTube and watching some weird video about some random thing and then coming to church going, stop everything, Jesus was an alien, I've just seen it on YouTube. They haven't gone and read the Da Vinci Code and come on this whole thing, oh, actually Jesus had a family. I mean, I've had this in church. I've had people say, well, you have read the Da Vinci Code, haven't you? You know, it, the Bible is where we start from. And these elders should be, you know, based, rooted firmly in the Bible. Um, not YouTube or Channel 5. Okay, um, so that they can encourage others by sound, by healthy doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now this is where the talent comes in. Elders, and it talks about this in Timothy as well, should be teachers. Now what do I mean by that? Elders should be teachers. Does that mean they can preach? Possibly, but not necessarily. Does it mean they can have a class of people and teach them from the Bible? Possibly, but not necessarily. What I think it means is that these are people that are able to journey us from this point to this point. They're able to open up the scriptures. They're able to talk one to one or one to a hundred and say, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to follow Jesus Christ. These are men and women who are able to move you on in your walk with Jesus Christ. Able to disciple you, help you to grow, help you to mature. They're able to set an example that you can follow. And they're able to base that in sound doctrine, not wishy-washy thinking. And that leaves me with these questions as we come to an end. So we've got all these attributes of an elder. I've already said at the beginning, this is not just about elders. This is not just about leadership. This is for all of you. The purpose of an elder, I believe, is to move you forward in your faith to follow in their example. To take you out of your zones of comfort and familiarity into something new and exciting. As we were praying on Thursday evening in the prayer meeting, to have adventures with Jesus. Your Christian life should be adventurous, it should be fun. And elders and leadership and ministers, whatever you want to call them, overseers in a church, their job is to help you move forward into those adventures. So my question to you is, are you ready? Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Are you leadable? Because we live in a society where we have a distrust of authority figures. We don't want to be told what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. And yet I have been at points in my life, and I shared this before, in my early 20s, when the minister had to take me into his office and say, if you don't stop doing this, if you don't sort out your life, you are not going to see what God has for your life. And I had to make a decision. Am I teachable? Am I willing to listen I'm going to ignore it and say, I don't, I don't do what people tell me what to do. Stuff that, I'm going to carry on with life how I want to live it. Are you leadable? Are you teachable? I remember I was going to do um, in one church some teaching around a particular area of ministry in the church. And I said, you know, we've got to do this. I'm not going to say you have to, but I really encourage you to come along to all the meetings and find, get the teaching because we want you to grow. And one lady said to me, I will do it all. There's nothing you can teach me. I've been in the church for 30 years. I've been to conferences. There is nothing you can teach me about this area of ministry. I was slightly shocked at that. 
there is so much more for you to learn. There is so much more that God has in store for you in your life. If you got to the point you go, well, actually, I'm okay, thank you. That's it, done. I've, I've, I've read the Bible ten times. I know everything there is to know. There is nothing you can teach me. When I would say to you, there is plenty that God can teach you, hopefully through me, hopefully through elders, hopefully through others. They say the Bible is shallow enough for children to paddle in and deep enough for elephants to swim in. Regardless of where you are on your journey, there is stuff to learn. And the purpose of elders and church leadership is to guide you in your journey through life. Their purpose is to shape the church so it upholds Christ's commission to us to go out and baptise and disciple people. And it's also there to protect the doctrines, the truths that we have in the Bible. Not to be swayed by what culture is saying or what YouTube is saying or even what pastoral issues are saying. It says these words in Hebrews 13. I think you should all print this out, put it on your fridge or in your Bible. And it says this, Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as men and women who must keep an account I'm responsible, my responsibility is to God. If I don't fulfil what God has called me to do, then I'm going to be in a bit of trouble. Okay, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. I hasten to add, it's a joy to be your minister at the moment. For that would be of no advantage to you. It is no advantage to you whatsoever to have a bunch of elders and ministers and leaders who are frazzled and burnt out and stressed and having letters of complaint all the time. It is of your advantage to have leaders and elders who have time to disciple you and to guide you and to move you forward as individuals and as a church. So, I'm going to give you time, just a little time because we're getting very close to 12, just to be quiet and ask that question, am I teachable? Am I teachable? Am I striving to become like that list that Paul wrote? Not just for elders, but actually for everyone that follows Jesus Christ.